Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. It was at that time I decided I would never, ever, ever sell a property again unless I was absolutely desperate and had to. And that's when the real journey started. So from there, um, when I bought properties, I held them and continued to hold them. And apart from one property, which I sold uh, three years ago, I've never sold anything since. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors, find out more about their stories, mindset and strategy. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, I'm speaking with Sam Elbana, CEO of CPM Realty as he recounts how he began his property investing journey when he was only 18 and followed his passion for project marketing to form and build his own realty over the last 21 years. Also, before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free. Albana has been the CEO of CPM Realty for 21 years but even in his early life as a realtor, his interests led to his career in project marketing. Look, when I first started my career in real estate, I was uh, just doing regular residential sales, you know, selling homes for mums and dads, etc. And as much fun as that was, I always was fascinated by property development, um, fascinated by design, architecture, uh, planning, law, um, having a degree in land economics. I sort of took a bit of an interest in that sort of thing. And uh, I sort of looked for that opportunity. And when the opportunity came up um, to get into project marketing with McGrath, um, I spoke to John, took took up the opportunity and uh, never looked back. An early start and regimented schedule are just some of the ways Elbana balances his professional and personal life day to day. Okay, I'm normally up by 5, 5 5.15. That's not that exciting. (laughs) It is pretty early. I I race downstairs, I put the coffee machine on, um, sort of loosen up my body, etc, etc. Have a cup of coffee and go through my emails and normally have them finished by 10 to 6, 6 o'clock. Um, and then I'll either go for a walk or go to the gym till uh, about 6.45 to 7 and usually in the office by 7.15. Uh, from there, I uh, plan my day. Um, normally, I have it planned out the night before, but I sort of get down to the nitty-gritty um, and I start my meetings normally at about 8 or 8.30 and uh, my day comprises basically of meetings um, with existing clients, uh, meetings with um, banks, um, you know, other advisors, et cetera, et cetera. And I normally finish my day. I try, do my best to finish by 6.30 every day because I'd like to get home to my wife and kids and <laughs> at a reasonable hour. Um, but, you know, I'd say probably one or two nights a week. I'm certainly not home before 10 or 11 o'clock. 
Albano's childhood gave him gratitude for his own blessings, while his hard work brought him his first taste of success. I grew up in the western suburbs of Sydney. Um, I was very blessed in my opinion to have grown up in that area because I got to see um, both sides of the way people live. You know, I saw people that were uh, financially disadvantaged and also got to chance to see people that were financially advantaged. I was blessed insofar as I uh, grew up in a very middle-class family. I can't say we really struggled and that'd be an outright lie, uh, but we certainly weren't wealthy people. Um, I left the western suburbs, I think, when I was about 21 or 22, um, and I moved into uh, North Ride. Uh, from there, I moved into the Sutherland Shire, and I got stuck there for a lot of years. I love the place. Um, and then over time, I moved, obviously, to Bright Los Angeles, and now I live in the city. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, so... Um, did you, I finished in... Sorry? I was going to say, did you did you go to schooling in, in Western Sydney? Uh, Sydney or, yep. I did. I did. I uh, went to school in Western Sydney. I graduated from John Paul II uh, High School, which was in Marion back in God, 87. I'm showing my age now. Uh, went to university, uh, graduated from there in 91, 92. And um, during university days, I actually had a, um, believe it or not, I owned a menswear business. Realizing the importance of having a degree allowed him to set up himself for his future career in property. I did a uh, Bachelor of Business with a major in land economics. So it was very much a property business, a property degree. Look, I always knew that I was never going to be an academic, um, but I also knew, so I saw the importance of having that degree behind me, um, because having a degree generally just gives you choices. It doesn't make or break you career-wise, but it gives you choices. And I also learned very early that when you're dealing with people from other countries, you know, particularly from Asia or the Middle East, having a degree is a very important thing for them. And they're more likely to want to do business with you if they know that you've got that qualification. And hey, being at university was great fun as well. I can't lie about that. After university, Albana continued his own business before his property career took off. I ran the menswear business for another couple of years. Um, and then I was lucky enough to be able to sell that business. And uh, when I came back to Sydney, I was living on the Gold Coast for six or seven months. Uh, when I With the menswear business, when I came back to Sydney, I was able to get a job at just a local uh, real estate office, you know, Ray White office, and uh, sort of things expanded from there quite quickly. Once he realised his passion for project marketing, Elbana made the decision to move to turn it into his career. I was at Gaimir for about oh, probably eight months or nine months, and I actually pitched for a development um, around the corner. It was a block of 12 apartments. And I didn't get the job. I didn't get the listing, and I was you know, pretty heartbroken because I put a lot of effort into it. And then the agent who took it on, um, I think he sold eight out of 12, and nothing happened for two or three months. And the developer ran me up and said, look, if you can move these quickly, um, that'd be a really good thing. I said, okay. And I don't know how I did it, to be frank, but somehow I was able to move, <laughs> I was able to move the remaining apartments in about three or four weeks. That's fast. And uh, it was quick back then. And um, at the time, I just thought to myself, well, I want to make a career out of this. I just don't want to be doing this on the side. You know, I don't think in real estate you can do something as you know, part-time. You're either all in or you're not in it at all. Um, and so I decided I want to pursue a career in project marketing. And being where I was, there really wasn't that opportunity. So I was going to be forced to move to the city or the eastern suburbs, I guess. And um, yeah, then off, off to McGrath I went and I was there for a couple of years. Despite the increased difficulty of changing careers before the rise of the internet, Elbana found a role where he gained the experience to start his own realty. 
there was no such thing as online back then, mate. This was 96. <laughs> 94, actually. <laughs> no, back then, back then it was, you know, you look in the Sydney Morning Herald on a Tuesday and a Saturday, and, <laughs> and you contact everyone you know in the industry, and you hope, you know, you'll land somewhere. That's how it was done back then. And Which I might add, um, as much as I love the internet, I think it was actually a way to look for a job that built character. Oh, wow. So, it's it's quite interesting. And then from there, you worked in McGrath for a couple of years and you developed those skills. Then you decided, okay, I'm going to go out and start your own business. Is that what happened? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I worked at McGrath for a couple of years. I, I learned an extraordinary amount. But what McGrath gave me more than anything was an exposure to um, project marketing insofar as when you've got that sort of brand behind you, I was able to sort of go two developers and quite often I say, hi, I'm Sam Albano, they'd say who, but when I said from McGrath, they'd stand up and listen. And uh, over time, I was able to you know, pick up a fair bit of business and um, then you, know, you start to get itchy after a while and I just felt like it was time for me to sort of you know, spread my wings and um, I was lucky enough to be able to start you know, CPM and you know, here we are today, we're still here. Inspiration from his parents came from following their investing strategies and their successes and losses. Look, um, my influences from my parents were um, not so much to get into the industry, but I sort of learnt a lot from them. I saw them buy real estate and then sell it and you know, make significant gains. I also saw them saw them buy real estate, um, sell it too soon, and miss out on those gains. And um, I learnt from, you know, from a very young age that you know, the best way to make money out of property was to just never sell. <laughs> and you know. I, the amazing thing about having parents, you know, from the 80s and, you know, um, all the 70s even, and I always tell you about they should have, could have, would have. You know, they should have kept this property, they could have bought that property, etc., etc. <laughs> and I just learned very quickly um, that hard work is important and, you know, having a bit of a plan for your future is very, very important. Um, so, you know, I, I had, had a dream. Um, but yeah, a dream without a plan is just a fantasy and then I worked out how to create a plan and then everything went from there. Beginning to build his portfolio from such a young age proved to be an educational experience for Urbana. I can tell you the first property I bought was on my 18th birthday. Uh, yeah, it was a disaster. I bought, <laughs> I bought a block of land. I was, I hate to say it, but I was young and I was dumb and I was conned. I bought a block of land on the south coast of New South Wales that was zoned rural that everyone promised me would be rezoned residential. So being a genius, I bought this thing for $12,950 and I sold it in 2006 for $9,000. It was at zero value. <laughs> My second property, so I thought, you know, this is not working for me. My second property, I think I bought when I was about 21. And that was a three-bedroom apartment in Gosford, um, overlooking the water. And I thought, this is good. What I forgot was I bought it because it was cheap. And one thing I always remember after that day was, if something's cheap, it's cheap for a reason. Anyway, um, had a lovely tenant in there. It was a, a single mum with a daughter. Uh, when I sold that in 2006, I think I got I paid 109 for it. I think I sold it for about 115000 And I had never put the rent up. So... <laughs> So, but I learned some very big lessons from there. One was that um, you want to invest in, in quality and you want to invest where people want to live. Um, you know, if it's cheap, it's cheap for a reason. So after that, I started investing. My next investment property I bought was in Alexandria um, in Sydney's sort of inner suburbs there. Yep. And, um, and I sort of, I thought I hit the lottery. You know, I, 
I bought this property, I think it was a one-bedroom terrace home for $150,000. And the day um, I settled, I had a tenant in there at $180 a week. And, you know, I thought I was Donald Trump. This is fantastic. <laughs> That's all right. And, um, and then it just started from there. So, you know, from there on, I just started buying properties that I really believed in, um, in projects that I was selling. So, you know, I bought apartments in the Hudson and, in uh, you know, Alexandria and lots of other projects. And, um, I, I think back in 98, 99, I bought a property in Surrey Hills and I bought it off the plan. It was a huge apartment with city views and I paid 350 for it. And I uh, sold it for on completion for six hundred and seventy thousand. And then I was convinced I was, you know, as rich as Donald Trump. Um, unfortunately, the fellow that I sold it to then resold it a year later for eight hundred and ten thousand. And today, you could not buy it for two million dollars. <laughs> and so I learned a very important lesson there, which was just don't sell. Because <laughs> when you sell, a you're going to pay agent fees, obviously. Um, B you're going to pay tax. And See more importantly, when you have that much money in your pocket, you can tend to do very frivolous things with it. So, <laughs> so yeah, you buy cars and go on holidays. So um, it was at that time where I decided I would never, ever, ever sell a property again unless I was absolutely desperate and I had to. And that's when the real journey started. So from there, um, when I bought properties, I held them and continued to hold them. And apart from one property which I sold uh, three years ago, I've never sold anything since. When we return, Elbana shares the challenges he has faced as an investor. So for the first time in my career, I had to go to two or three banks until I finally got a loan. As well as the highlights. By the time they were sort of eight, nine, ten years old, I could see that the chances of them buying their first property were going to be more difficult than it was for me. And I knew I had to do something to set them up. And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. podcast listeners, I just wanted to let you know about the podcast show notes I've created for you that you can download at freepropertyresource.com. Inside these show notes, I've included a full summary, details of the resources recommended plus much, much more. Just go to freepropertyresource.com to grab it now. It's free and it'll make the rest of the episode so much more impactful. Again, that's freepropertyresource.com. Now back to the show. So, what does Elbana look for in a potential property? Okay, well, look, um, I, ha- I have a couple of rules that I live by when it comes to buying real estate um, as an investor. Um, I'm not going to talk about being an owner-occupier because that's a whole different set of rules anyway. But um, from an investment point of view, my number one rule is I have to buy where people want to live. And so, you know, people often say to me, well, why would you buy a one-bedroom in Surrey Hills for a million dollars when you could buy a house and land package in you know, another suburb for a million dollars? And my answer always is, is because people want to live in Surrey Hills. People want to be close to the station. They want to be close to transport. They want the cafe lifestyle. They want the restaurants. They want the proximity to the CBD. Um, so that's the number one rule. Invest where people want to buy. My next one is always is Sydney is, and I'm talking about Sydney here, um, Sydney is a, sub, well, a city that is really drawn to water. And so where possible, you want to live very close to the harbour or 
very close to one of the beaches. Now, I'm not, I don't care if it's Cronulla Beach, I don't care if it's Manly or Bondi or Tamarama. Um, the closer you are to a beach or the CBD, the more likely you are to see significant capital gains. Yes. But more importantly, the more likely you are to see um, an endless stream of tenants wanting your property. And that's really important. And his final rule? Number three is I always want to be in entertainment hubs or um, restaurant-type hubs because, once again, people like to be in areas where they can walk out of their home and go to a cafe or a restaurant or go to a park or get an ice cream. And that's why, you know, I traditionally have um, bought in suburbs that have that or are about to have that. You know, so my first investments, for example, in Alexandria and Rosebery, they were the days when Alexandria was a desert wasteland. And, um, but you knew it was coming. And so if you were able to buy and hold, over time, the gains you could make were quite significant. And most suburbs still exist in Sydney today. It's just to sort of pick which ones are there. Um, and it's not that hard. Yeah, Google's a pretty good friend of mine. Um, you know, um, pick the suburb, work out what you want and uh, what you can afford, and then you jump in and do everything you can to hold on. Um, you quite often, you know, I, I see people say, oh, it's a bit too hard or, you know, I'm going to have to wait an extra year. And to me, that's, you know, it's almost a, defeat, a defeatist attitude. Um, and the other big thing for me is I always buy off the plan. That's my number one priority. Despite the success of his career, Elbana still faces challenges. Some years ago, I bought a property, probably two and a half, three years ago. I bought a studio apartment here in Sydney and I paid, let's call it $600,000. And um, at the time, the banks were throwing money at everybody. And so my philosophy is, because I've built up equity in other properties was, was that I use a deposit bond to secure the property. And from there, I wait until settlement and then I buy the money from the bank. And based on the valuation, the bank will generally lend you, you know, the, the whole purchase price. So I bought this for six and I valued it up at seven ninety on completion. So it was a really fantastic gain. Getting a loan from the bank for $600,000 was actually a problem. Okay, that's interesting. And I found that extraordinary given that I'd never had any difficulties in the past. And um, basically what it came down to was, was that the banks were cracking down as yeah, at, due to APRA's um, recommendation yeah, um, on interest only loans and on investors. They just didn't, they wanted to have fewer investors and more owner occupiers in the market. So for the first time in my career, I had to go to two or three banks until I finally got a loan. And that two or three week period was actually really stressful. Despite his financial stresses, Elbana had to continue to run his business and to take care of his family until he found a solution. Now, I knew that eventually I would find a way, but in the meantime, you know, the developer needs me to settle this property. And if I don't settle, he has every right to take my 10% deposit and sell it to somebody else. And so here I was going to be with a double whammy. A, I could lose the 10% deposit or the bond, which is, you know, $60-odd dollars. But secondly, I would miss out on the significant gain because now it's valued at seven ninety. <laughs> And so that would have really hurt. Um, luckily, I was able to uh, speak to the banks, I'll speak to a particular bank, and uh, they could not understand why I was going through this nonsense, and um, they were able to approve it in 48 hours. But, you know, the levels of stress were very, very, very high. <laughs> and I, 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 they probably weren't as high, they were probably much higher than they should have been. But when you're actually like running a business and doing a whole bunch of other things, you've children as well. Um, you can't dedicate the time to these things as you would otherwise dedicate if you just you know, didn't have these extra pressures. After finding the silver lining in this particular challenging property, he pursued it to reach future financial success. 
I don't think I bought it under value at all. In fact, I think I paid fair market value for it at the time. Um, very much fair market value, maybe even slightly over market um, by you know, 1% or something. But I just really liked what the property offered. Um, it was near some suburbs, number one. It was almost directly on the new light rail that's going in, number two. Uh, it was close to New South Wales University. It you know, had, had all those fundamentals that I look for in a property. And um, so I felt like it didn't really matter if I paid an extra $10,000 for it because I knew that over the ensuing 18 months or two years or whatever it took to complete it, that I would get the growth out of it anyway. And uh, you know, luckily I was right. But you can never predict exactly what you're going to get. What you can predict is whether it's, um, it's going to be a good investment or not. Although not directly related to property, he reveals how the highlight of his career was securing the future of his loved ones. I think the big aha moment came for me when um, was when my kids were born and I watched them grow up and by the time they were sort of 8, 9, 10 years old, I could see that the chances of them buying their first property were going to be more difficult than it was for me and I knew I had to do something to set them up and so um, over time I actually bought properties that I put into trust for them so that it would give them their chance at life once they reached a certain age. Now, thankfully, I haven't had to actually give them those properties yet because the oldest of them is only 24, and I said I wouldn't do it till they were 30. So, <laughs> <laughs> Lucky them. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but they don't even know. And they're, oh, shit, they might know now. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> they don't even know. And um, I never wanted them to know because I still wanted them find, to find their own yeah. way, and this could be just a bonus for them you know, if they ever get to that stage in life yep. um, where they need the help. Um, you know, I look at them now and, you know, they're the oldest two are 24 years old and they've got you know, qualifications and they've earned very good incomes. So they probably won't even need me by the time they're 30. But um, if things didn't go as well as they could have for them, then they probably might have. So inspired by this story and what Sam Albana is excited about today, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode on Property Investory Podcast. We'll talk about the nuts and bolts of the project marketing as an investor. We have a plan and a strategy that we execute to the best of our ability, but we still have the flexibility to move with the market if things change. The importance of setting goals to fulfill your dreams. And it is that you know, absolute desire, need, passion to achieve that goal which gets you there. And even if your plan is flawed, if you have a passion, you'll find a way to get there anyway. And that's next on a future episode of Property Investory. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that I only send out exclusively via email, you can text me your email address to 0499881040 to subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Thanks for listening. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.